This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. We're at the bottom of page 215. Again, the letter is based on the verse in Isaiah chapter 32 that there's the action of tzedakah which leads to peace and then there's the service of tzedakah which leads to quietness and tranquility forever and ever. So he explained that the action of tzedakah leads to peace and until now we, uh, we explained that through giving tzedakah we reveal a tremendous revelation of Hashem, of His infinite self which creates peace above and here below and specifically within the person, inner peace, which is the most difficult of all. And that comes through the act of tzedakah. And he explained that the act of tzedakah means it's already an act, it's something that it's already done, it's set, it's set into motion, it's uh, ingrained in us, it's etched into our being, it's part of the Jewish nature. Our nature, by naturally we're giving and, and uh, so all we have to do is activate something that already exists. We're not creating anything new. And now he's moving on to explain the second half of the verse, Avoidas HaTzedakah. What's called Avoidas HaTzedakah, the service of Tzedakah. How is that different than the act of Tzedakah? The term service, Avoda, however, applies only to what a man does with immense exertion contrary to his soul's inclination. Indeed, it is his very disinclination for a particular task that works against him and necessitates such exertion. But he overrules his nature and will, out of deference to the supreme will, exhausting himself, for example, in Torah and prayer, to the extent of pressing out the soul, since the soul is not naturally inclined to such a situation, a great deal of toil and effort is required. Everyone, it's very personal, it's very subjective. You know, the most difficult thing for us to do is to go against our nature, or to go beyond our nature, exceed our nature, inconvenience ourselves, go beyond what's natural. We all like to live in our comfort zone, what's comfortable. And here we're talking about a good nature. We're not talking about a negative nature. We're talking about a positive nature. Our nature is to do good. It's wonderful. But there's a limit. Even good has a limit. We have a limited amount of smiles that we have. We have a limited amount of <laughs> kindness. We have a limited amount of energy. You know, and a limited amount of tzedakah. No matter how good we are, everyone has their limit. It could be a huge, a huge limit. It could be a small limit. Everyone on their own level. But when you reach your limit enough. The idea is to go beyond your limit, to push yourself, to exert yourself. And that takes tremendous effort. That takes, says, like he says, exhausting yourself. It's very exhausting. It takes tremendous energy to be able to lift yourself up beyond your nature, to go against the force of gravity, like the whole force of gravity is against you. You have to lift yourself up, push yourself to go against the force. You're going against the current. We have a strong, swift current that's pulling us in a certain direction. That's my nature. It's very hard to change your nature. It's very difficult to change your nature. It's the most difficult thing in the world. And the most exhausting thing in the world. But some people never even try. <laughs> At least we know that it's an ideal. That ideal is. That's when you become human. That's when you become alive. That's when you really connect in a very profound, in a very real way, when Hashem becomes very real to you. If you're able, if Hashem is so real that you're able to jump out of your skin, you're able to go beyond your nature, you're able to push the limits, go against the current, against the force of gravity. And the truth is, that's really what being Jewish is all about. 
going against the force of gravity, against the current, against uh, what's natural. In our case, too, with regard to the commandment of giving charity, to serve entails giving far more than would be prompted by the nature of one's compassion and will. As our sages of the blessed memory commented on the verse, give, you shall give, even a hundred times. A hundred times, it's like way beyond, okay, you give once. You're generous, you give twice. You're very generous, you give four. Extremely generous, you give five times. But a hundred times, this is like, it's like to constantly give and continue to give and give again and give even more. And this is way beyond call of nature. It's not just because I'm naturally inclined to do good. Our people are naturally inclined to do good. They love doing good. They love just kind people. But, but not a hundred times. Everyone has the limit. One to ten, one to twenty. You're talking about a hundred, that's an exaggeration. That's already way beyond the human natural capacities. Anyone who gives tzedakah a hundred times means it's divine, it's godly. I'm not doing this because it's my nature. It has nothing to do with my nature. I'm doing it because Hashem is kind. Because God gives us tzedakah. My very being, my very existence, my health, my life, my success, everything pleasurable in life, everything good in life, all the beautiful things in life, friendships and love and relationships and connections, it's all a gift from Hashem. So everything Hashem gives us is an act of tzedakah. So in turn, we in turn, if we are godly, we in turn have to be kind and giving and godly. So this is a kindness that's not based on nature. There's no human being, no matter how kind he is, no matter how generous he is, by nature, and there are people who by nature are very warm, loving, giving, caring, but it's limited. Anyone, the Torah says you have to give a hundred times, I'm sorry, this is not, nothing to do with nature. This, is, this doesn't come natural. This is godly. This is a tzedakah that's based on a deep recognition of Hashem, a deep recognition of Hashem's infinite, gratuitous kindness to us which in turn turns us to become gratuitously kind, which means even when I've exhausted my natural reservoir of kindness, and yet I go beyond it, up until a hundred times. A hundred times doesn't, meet, doesn't stop by a hundred. That means there's no limit. Because it's a kindness that's based on, on Hashem. This then is the meaning of the verse, and the act of charity shall be peace. That even with the kind of charity which is called an act and not service, this arousal from below will nevertheless elicit an arousal from above. He's explaining the verse, so he's saying the first half of the verse starts out that the act of tzedakah, the act of tzedakah, not the service of tzedakah, the act of tzedakah. In other words, even an act of tzedakah, which is only an act, meaning you're just activating something that's natural and instinctive, the Jewish people, by nature, just have an instinct for compassion, for empathy, for kindness, for goodness, for generosity, for uh, wholehearted, uh, wholeheartedness. And this is, comes natural to us. Even that is powerful enough to reveal, to bring peace. Because by our arousal from below, Hashem, interactively, Hashem responds to our act of tzedakah. See, even just... Um, activating our natural kindness also has profound effect on the world and on, our, on us personally. That's the first half of the verse. Versus the service of tzedakah. Can okay, continue? One arouses a manifestation of the infinite self-light with a great illumination and an intense diffusion and peace is brought about in Hashem's high places between uh, Michal and Gabriel, Chesed and Gaborah and also within the terrestrial retina, the lower world. So what accomplishes this peace that will happen when Mashiach will come? It's accomplished through our tzedakah that we're giving today. Every act of tzedakah is another brick in the building of the temple and then clarifying and separating good from evil and the accumulation of all the tzedakah of, of countless generations and uh, the tzedakah, especially the tzedakah in our generation, there's never been such a generosity. There's never been such tzedakah as we've seen and we're seeing today in our generation. This is our strong point, as we learned in the earlier letters. This is where our generation shines when it comes to tzedakah. We're not such great Talmudic scholars, and we're not, such, not the sharpest pencils of all the Jewish generations, and not exactly the most brilliant minds of all the Jewish generations. We're actually the midgets, the spiritual midgets, and every single level imaginable, emotionally and psychologically and mentally and spiritually. Um, 
And I think we can all agree on that. But the, uh, when it comes to action, there we shine. When it comes to action, our generation sparkles. Such tzedakah the world has never seen. No generation of Jews have excelled in tzedakah like our generation. So through the acts of tzedakah, especially the tzedakah that we do today, this is what brings Mashiach. But the result of the tzedakah, the consequence of the tzedakah, the reward of the tzedakah, won't be revealed until Mashiach will come. Because that peace, we don't have peace today. The world still remains very confused and very dark. But the peace that will happen, Mashiach will come, which will come through this intense revelation of godliness, which will separate the good from the evil. Because that's the only way to make peace. To make peace is not to surrender to evil or to accommodate evil, but to completely eradicate evil, to completely, evil will vanish and disappear. And goodness will totally triumph. This will happen when Mashiach will come. This will happen in that moment of revelation. The moment that Mashiach actually comes will be a moment of intense revelation when godliness will become palpable and tangible and revealed and the, and the darkness will just melt away. How will that come about? That moment, we've only been working at that moment for the last 3,800 years. It's a result of all the mitzvot and especially the tzedakah that we've been doing. This is what will instigate the shalom, the peace, which will be revealed only when Mashiach will come. But nevertheless, on a personal level, in our own personal soul, we can get a taste of Mashiach. We can get a taste of that peace when we achieve an inner state of peace during prayer. Prayer is a time, that's the field, that's the arena when we can experience a revelation, a personal revelation, a conscious level. We can experience a revelation of godliness which separates the good and evil within us. And at least during prayer, we can experience a moment of tranquility, a moment of peace. Like a little Shabbos. Prayer is a moment of Shabbos. That's the Shabbos of the week for us. When we are at peace, we are at rest. We are at rest because we are energized, recharged, because we are, we lay to rest the evil inclination and the negativity and all those negative pulls and attractions, at least during prayer, we're free from all of that because of the revelation in our mind, our hearts, on a conscious level, the revelation of godliness that we experience during prayer, which comes about through tzedakah. So there we see the reward of the tzedakah in this world, in our own personal lives. We can see the reward of tzedakah, the instant uh, consequence of tzedakah. How Hashem is interactive and Hashem, as a result of tzedakah, Hashem will, will, uh, will uh, shower us with an, a revelation of His infinite self which creates peace and harmony, inner peace and harmony. In this lower world, however, there will be no manifestation of this peace and of the refinement and separation of the evil and the good until the ultimate time when evil will cease to exist. But not during the time of the exile as explained above, except in the microcosm, that is, in man, at every time of finding, meaning finding, meaning prayer, as it is written, through Tzedek will I behold your countenance, as discussed above. Even so, after prayer, it is possible that the evil will easily reawaken and become intermingled with the good, as one walks about in the darkness of this world. During prayer, at best, we can hope for is that it's like an anesthesia. We put the, uh, the ego to bed, but it's very temporary. Don't worry, no, no fears. The ego didn't go anywhere. It's harder than go anywhere. All that negativity, all that arrogance didn't go anywhere. You put it to bed. So it won't bother you during prayer. But the moment the prayer stops, the anesthesia wears off. It comes roaring back to life healthier than ever, more alive than ever, as a matter of fact, maybe even stronger because it was asleep for a while, so it's like, it's like a pent-up energy, that rubber band is going to snapping back to life. It comes back in full force as if nothing ever happened. So, okay, uh, uh, we, an impression remains with us during the day of the prayer. That's why we have to continue to pray every day. You know, even though you ate yesterday three-course dinner, tomorrow, it's not going to help you tomorrow. Tomorrow is a new day. You're hungry again. You have to eat again. So, you have to pray every day, and then it helps you at least an impression will remain with you. But the effect of the prayer doesn't linger. 
it wears off very, very quickly because we go back to the world, we go to our careers, we get back into the physical world and it, like, it all vanishes. It's like, it's, like a diff- it's like a vacation. We were somewhere in a special vacation and we come back to reality. And uh, so the effect, the peace and harmony that we experience during prayer only lasts during the prayer. It doesn't leave the prayer. It doesn't stay after. And then the conflict starts again and the inner struggles and, you know, the, the lack of harmony and the being pulled in all different directions and the tug of war and the darkness. And it's, it's again, we come engulfed once again in the darkness. And that's to be expected. That's the best we can hope for. That's pretty depressing. Oh, but there is one thing that could help us. Continue. Avoidus uh, HaTzedakah. The level of Avoidus HaTzedakah, which is beyond Maisa HaTzedakah. Not the act of Tzedakah, but the service of Tzedakah, which Avoidus, as he explained, means to break yourself, to go beyond your nature, to work on yourself. That I'm not just doing Tzedakah out of instinct, because it, I'm instinctively kind and nice and compassionate and generous and empath- empathetic, but... It's avoided, something that I have to work on myself. I'm doing it because it's godly, because Hashem, everything we have, Hashem is, being, is doing tzedakah to us, and therefore in turn, I have to push myself. And even when I'm not in the mood, and even as a very great philanthropist in our community, always says, quotes his father, he says, when things are difficult financially, he says, he says, akuns means in Yiddish, it's a big deal to give tzedakah when things go well. The kunz is a challenge to give tzedakah when things don't go well. When things go well, of course you can be generous. It's very nice. Everyone is generous. Why not? Money, money is coming out of my ears. Of course I'll be generous. But when things are tough, things are difficult, you got to play to be conservative. You got to be smart. You got to hold, you know, go back, retreat. Now is the time to give tzedakah. That's when you separate the men from the boys. That's when you see who's for real, who's not for real. You know, this is not just uh, because it's comfortable, because it's nice, because it makes me feel good. And then it's limited to how much it makes me feel good. Listen, everyone likes to feel good, but <laughs> the price I'm willing to pay is, is everyone has their price. We're not beyond, not more. But to be able to work on yourself, to, to give tzedakah because it's the right thing to do, because, and, and it's the godly thing to do. And actually the word tzedakah itself connotates this whole idea. The word tzedakah does not translate. What's the translation of the word tzedakah? In English. Very good. Very good. Most people would say tzedakah is charity. But they're wrong. Tzedakah is not charity. Tzedakah comes from the root word righteousness. The difference is charity means I feel charitable and therefore I give charity. I feel kind, I feel compassionate, I feel liberal, I feel I have to take care of my fellow human being. So I feel charitable and therefore I, am, I will give charity. So the key is, I feel charitable. It makes me feel good. So you better catch me at the right time. <laughs> Make sure I woke up at, at, on my right side that morning. Don't catch me before lunch when I'm starving. <laughs> 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 Make sure to catch me after I've eaten a good meal and I'm full, and I feel good. And then you ask me, okay, why not? Let me give a little tzedakah as well. It's icing on the cake, it's nice, it's a feather in the cap, it's, it's good for business, I'll, the plaque will look nice, my mother will quell, my children will enjoy, my wife will be happy, fine. But that's charitable. And it usually starts with my last million. <laughs> Well, after I've made all the most money and I don't even know what to do with it. Okay, I'll give away my last dollar that I've made. That's not tzedakah. Tzedakah is, I'm not doing anyone any favors. Tzedakah, it's righteous. You're obligated to give 10%. It's not because you feel charitable. No one's going to hang up a plaque if you give 10% of your money. If you don't give 10%, you're, you're, I don't know what you are, but you're, not, you're, not, you're hardly human. What kind of a human being are you? Tzedakah, it's righteousness. It's the right thing to do. You give it, you're not doing anyone any favors. It doesn't belong to you. 10% doesn't belong. Hashem gave it to you. Hashem put you in charge of His charity. He put you in charge. This money b- belongs. Hashem said, I'm giving it 
to you. I'm putting you in charge to distribute it for me. That's all. So you're not doing anyone any favors by giving 10%. That goes without saying. And if you're generous, if you're enlightened, if you realize that everything I have comes from Hashem, Hashem is my senior partner, all my success comes from Hashem, are you kidding? 10%? Please, take 20%. You're giving me 80%. You're doing all the work. Hashem is doing all the work and He's giving me 80%. He's leaving me 90%. No, take 20%. At least take 20%. For your causes, for tzedakah, to help the poor, to help a yeshiva, to help learning, to help good institutions. But here we're talking about taking it the ultimate level, to give a hundred times, avoid this HaTzedakah. When you have a deep recognition that everything that I have is a gratuitous kindness from Hashem, then you become like Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu took 10% for himself and he gave 90%. Everything he had, he gave. Opened his home. Four doors. God forbid everyone should find them. They shouldn't have to walk around the house, the tent. Everyone should easily find them. It should be accessible. He shared his time. He shared his, his brilliance, his wisdom, his teachings, his, his wealth, his, everything he had. He shared. And he kept for himself his necessities. This, this comes from a deep recognition of Hashem. Anyone who doesn't have God in his life, it's not even possible such stuff. It's not. It's if you just do it because you feel charitable, it's an ego trip. It's a, it makes you feel good, makes me feel good. And the truth is, who cares what your motivation is? <laughs> if you're helping another person, <laughs> be charitable, it's a good thing. Be as charitable as possible. Whatever motivates you, just get the job done. But this is not real tzedakah. Real tzedakah is based on righteousness. I'm in the mood, I'm not in the mood, I'm not doing anyone any favors. And therefore, it's how you give. There's no ears, there's no arrogance in your giving. It's not, I'm the giver, and you're the taker. Let me make it very clear who the schlepper is, who the beggar is, and I'm the philanthropist, the giver. That's, it's based on ego. But if it's based on tzedakah, I'm not doing you any favors. You're doing me the biggest favor. You're giving me the opportunity to do this mitzvah, to, to share with Hashem, to be His partner. It's a whole different attitude. Tzedakah is a whole different mindset. It's a whole different attitude, so much so that the IRS had a huge problem. You know, when after the Holocaust, many Jews came to America and the observant community started growing and flourishing. And they were shocked because the levels of tzedakah, that middle income, lower middle income, Jews here in New York were reporting was unprecedented, unheard of. No one in America gave tzedakah. They were certain that they must be hiding their money because no one in America who's making that money is giving that amount of tzedakah. I think one of the former presidents listed one of, the, one of his pairs of underwear that he gave. You know, the <laughs> levels of tzedakah. They have no clue what tzedakah is. And here, these, these, low, these lower, lower, uh, lower income, lower middle class were giving such generous amounts it took them a while to educate themselves. They had to hire a few of these observant Jews to realize how deeply ingrained it's in the Jewish culture. It goes without saying, 10% of my earnings, I give tzedakah. What's the, what's the big deal? It's not, I'm not doing any really favors. This is natural. And, and many give more than 10%. So this is tzedakah. It's a whole different attitude. It's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different orientation. And this affects our money. Money is, is what hits home. You want to tell what a person is all about, it's when it comes to his money. A person could profess faith. A person could profess to be a kind person. But you want to tell what a person is all about is how they treat money. A person says they're nice, but they're stingy. It's a moment of truth. It's an acid test. You want to tell what a person is about, it's how they treat money. If they're kind with their money, they're generous with their money, if they're giving with their money. Everything else is stories. That's reality. So for a person to give tzedakah, to take money, the ultimate ego symbol, and to be able to really give and give generously, this comes from an understanding of tzedakah. It's righteousness. I'm not doing anyone any favors. This is the right thing to do. It's my obligation. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the other person. It's, it's the right thing I have to do. So that's, in general, the whole approach of tzedakah, the whole attitude of, uh, towards tzedakah. But, that's the, but then there's the act of tzedakah, which is that instinct that we're born with. 
every Jew is born with this inherently, we're born with this instinct of being kind and compassionate. But then there is the service of tzedakah. Even a Jew goes beyond his nature, his good nature, his instinctive nature, his kind nature, and pushes himself beyond his limit. That, if God is interactive, that evokes a whole different level of response from Hashem. A whole different reaction. When you're giving tzedakah out of instinct, it also has a powerful repercussions, powerful consequences, powerful uh, reaction from Hashem. It brings tzedakah, it leads peace, a revelation of godliness, it brings beauty and harmony and peace and inner peace. But when you do when you really get serious and you get real and you're really pushing yourself way beyond your nature, even your good nature, this is personal. This comes from the deepest place within you. This evokes the ultimate response from Hashem, the most personal, most intense just like we exhaust ourselves, it's exhausting to go beyond your nature. It takes so much out of you to go beyond your nature. You have to reach deep inside to really push yourself. Hashem, so to speak, also reacts in kind. Hashem will reach deep inside himself, so to speak, and will react in a way that's totally off the charts, totally beyond, beyond nature. However, as to charity, which is practiced with self-imposed toil as the level of avoda, service, since it is exceedingly precious and lofty, far more so than the tzedakah one practices out of one natural inclination. Because in the former case, one overrules his nature and bodily will out of deference to the supreme will, and the sitrakra is subjugated. And then the glory of the Holy One, blessed be He, rises and becomes manifest in all the worlds. Like the superiority of light over darkness as is known. The excellence of light is more appreciated when darkness itself is transformed into light. In such a case, by virtue of the exertion involved in this superior form of sadaka, the evil can no longer reawaken so easily of itself. What's the result? What's the consequence of, what's the reaction to this level of tzedakah? Hashem is interactive. When a person goes beyond his own personal limitations and really works very hard and exhausts himself and pushes himself and does a tzedakah that's way beyond his nature, it's completely unexpected, unpredictable. And it's a personal choice. So this is like a light that comes out of darkness. He creates something novel. He creates something new. Introduces something new into the universe. So as a result, Hashem will also respond in kind. Something new. Something novel. Which is that this tranquility that we achieve and experience in davening will linger and remain even after davening. And even when we go and interact with the world again, and we immerse ourselves back, we're back into the world, into this dark, coarse, crass world that's selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed, but we will not be affected by the world. The experience of godliness that we experience during the prayer will stay with us, will continue throughout the rest of the day. In other words, there's no limit. There's no limitation to this peace. And this is a novelty because we're not dealing with the tzaddik here. We're dealing here with the benini. We're dealing here with the average person who has a healthy yetzahara, a healthy instinct, healthy ego, who's down to earth, who's part of this world, affected by the world. He can't help but be affected by this world. And yet, Hashem, out of His infinite, will reveal His infinite self and it will have such an effect on us that we won't be influenced by the world around us. We'll continue to have inner peace. Which is astonishing. We read just a few weeks ago in Parshas Nitzavim, Hashem says, I will circumcise your heart, the hearts of your hearts and the hearts of your children to love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul. Chapter 30, verse 6, Parshas Nitzavim. And the question the commentaries 
ask, what does it mean God will circumcise your heart? What do you mean you circumcise? You don't circumcise the heart. The Targum explains that it means, he, because it, it demands an explanation. It doesn't make sense. What do you mean God will circumcise your heart? So he says it means just like you remove the covering of the heart, so God will remove the foolishness from your heart, the covering that covers up in our heart. Because naturally our heart is in the right place. But it's covered up, a lot of foolishness. Hashem will remove the foolishness of the heart. Nachmanri says this refers to Mashiach will come, God will remove all evil, all impurity, and therefore we won't have any evil inclination, and that's what it means, God will circumcise your heart. So the Rebbe asks Rashi, who explains the verse literally, doesn't even, doesn't even explain, doesn't, there's no commentary on this meaning when the... When the when the five-year-old child is reading this verse, it's a question that everyone comments on, because what does it mean, God will circumcise your heart? So why doesn't Rashi explain anything? The Rebbe explains that this verse continues what he said earlier in the parsha. He said earlier in the parsha that the Jewish people will sin. As a result of their sin, Hashem will... Uh, the, the, as a result of the consequences of this sin. This will lead them to do teshuva, they'll have a change of heart, they'll make a decision to change their, their evil ways, and they'll return back to Hashem. But then he also discusses in the beginning of the parasha, what's the reason, what's the cause that will lead them to, to sin in the first place? What's the reason that a person sins? So he says early in the parasha, you're going to follow your eyes. You follow your eyes. And it's human nature. The heart is influenced by what you see. Our heart follows our eyes. We can't help but be affected by what we see. And this is not something that's in our control. What is in our control is we make a decision to sin or not to sin. But the things that lead us to sin in the first place, unless a person closes his eyes, if you see something, it's going to affect you. That you can't help. So that's what the verse is telling us. When Hashem will see that a Jew does Teshuvah sincerely, wholeheartedly, then Hashem promises us, I will circumcise the heart. In other words, I will sever the connection between your eyes and your heart. That even though by nature and naturally, the heart is affected by what you see, and it's not within our human control, we're not the tzaddik, with the average Jew, the Torah is speaking to the average Jew, but Hashem will give us a blessing, Hashem will circumcise our heart, sever the cord, sever the connection between the eyes and the heart. That even if you'll see, it won't affect you, it won't, it won't entice your heart, it won't tempt you to sin. And this is especially urgent in our generation, because there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. Uh, you can't, uh, you can't uh, unless, you, uh, unless you're blind, unless you walk around uh, the eyes covered 24-7, you know, it's all around us. The crassness and the coarseness and the vulgarity and the uh, cheap, superficial, skin-deep, external, it's all right there. So it's not in your control. And as he explained in the Tanya, even if you pray and you have a good prayer session, because first you gave tzedakah before the prayer session. And therefore as a result Hashem rewarded you that you were able to experience godliness and during prayer you felt close to Hashem, you felt attraction to, to, to something godly and your heart is on fire. And you're... But right after prayer you go back to the world, you can't help but be affected by the world all around you. And it evaporates. All that inspiration and all that sense of wholeness disappears and the conflict comes roaring back. But he says, when a person does avoidus hatzedakah, when a person does service, and he exhausts himself, and he exerts himself, and through tremendous effort goes beyond his nature, even his kind nature, and pushes himself, and reaches so deep inside of himself, and it's so personal, because the only reason you're doing it is only for Hashem. It's not because it makes me feel good. It's difficult. It's not to make me feel good. It's very hard. Tremendously, it's very difficult, and yet I'm doing it only for Hashem's sake. This is my service to Hashem. So Hashem will respond in kind. That Hashem will reveal Himself 
and there will be such an intense revelation of godliness within your soul that the effects of the prayer will linger even after the prayer. That you'll be free from the struggle. That even though you're a Bainani, you're not a Tzaddik, and yet you, you re-immerse yourself into the world and most of your day, you're, in your career, you're engaged and involved and live in this environment, you'll be free from the struggle. Unless, of course, you b- deliberately bring it upon yourself. You always have that choice. If you choose to indulge and you choose to, to uh, you know, let go, and then no one, no one will take away your freedom of choice. But unless you choose, otherwise, you will remain in that godly bubble. You'll remain in that sense of godliness, that aura of godliness, with that connection that conscious connection and that tranquilizing effect of prayer will continue throughout the day. You'll feel tranquil inside, you'll feel at peace, you'll have the clarity, you'll have the sharpness, you'll have the, you know, you won't have that confusion and that conflict, even as you re-immerse in the world and even as you go about the world. This is the promise that Hashem says. This is the consequence of such a service of tzedakah, such a level of tzedakah. Hashem says, I, I will circumcise your heart. The connection between sight and heart, I'll sever that connection. You won't be troubled. You won't be bothered. You won't even be tempted. How? You're not a tzaddik? The answer is yes. You don't do that. You're not on that level. I will do that to you. Hashem will do that to you. Hashem will circumcise the heart. Hashem will reward your tzedakah, your service of tzedakah. Hashem will reveal himself and give you that power and that intensity and that revelation that will carry you throughout the rest of the day, that you'll be able to go about your whole day in peace and quiet, in real tranquility, real peace, real inner peace. That's a blessing. <laughs> Imagine to be free of struggle while you're in the world with all the chaos and nonsense and all the ridiculousness of this world, and yet you'll be able to glide through it only as a result of this tzedakah. This doesn't come about through your prayer. You can pray from today till tomorrow. As we learned earlier in the first part of the Tanya, chapter 12, chapter 13, lessons in Tanya.com, <laughs> you can pray from today till tomorrow. But it's a given. After prayer, the anesthesia wears off and your ego comes roaring back to life. There's nothing you can do about it. At best, you can hope that an impression of the prayer will linger and that will give you the strength in your struggles to overcome the struggles. But the struggles will return full force. But as a result of tzedakah, avodas tzedakah, not just regular tzedakah, avodas the service of tzedakah, giving tzedakah a hundred times, giving tzedakah way beyond expectation, way beyond your nature, even your good nature, your positive nature, only doing it because of Hashem, for the sake of Hashem, exerting yourself, exhausting yourself, pushing yourself to the limit and beyond. As a result, Hashem will give you a reward that the prayer will last, the tranquility and peace, and inner peace will last throughout the whole day. This is the recipe. This is the formula. This is the secret. Chapter 12 in Igeda Sakaitish. <laughs> and writing a big check. <laughs> you, want to, you want to continue? Unless yeah. for friend, one arouses it and drills it up himself. So the evil on its own has no longer, can no longer reawaken so easily of itself. Unless you Pull it up on yourself if you, if you engage in it and you indulge in it because this is the danger. And this is the danger that Alter Rebbe addresses also in the 13th chapter in the Tanya, the first part. That a person, a person who's free from his struggles, like he discusses in chapter 13, the first part of the Tanya, a bane in the davens all day. A person who's like davening on the level of davening, he's praying all day. All day long. So he's free from the struggle. The danger is, the moment you think for a moment that you're a tzaddik, that you're finished with the struggle, then it's all over. <laughs> because you have to realize you're just keeping the Yetzirah at bay. That's all you're doing is you're just putting it to sleep. It's a constant injection. You have to constantly inject. So the Yetzirah could be asleep for years. But don't for a moment think that you vanquished the Yetzirah, that you've won and now you can lower your guard, go to sleep. I'm in a good place. I'm safe. The moment you think you're safe, 
It's all over. The Yitzhara comes roaring back to life. It's like, who was the Hasidic Rebbe who said that life, you have to live life like the, uh, the, the one who, ro- who walks on ropes, right? He just tight, worked yesterday, tight, what? Tight work. A tightrope tight, tight walker. Tight walker. Just had in Chicago, right? Just the other day. <laughs> <Can you imagine? laughs> what? Without a net. Right. Blind, blind, blindfolded. Could you imagine the intensity, the awareness, the consciousness of that person as he's walking between the, uh, the two towers? That's how you have to live like the Rebbe says. He says, and, uh, he says, and what happens? What happens if you, if you, if you lose consciousness or you... You know, you become mindless. He says, then you've already fallen down. <laughs> then you've already, you've already, you already fell over. So, a person can never lower his guard. Even if a person reaches this level, he gives tremendous tzedakah, and then he experiences this peace, inner peace and tranquility, this miraculous peace that Hashem blessed him with. It doesn't come from within you. It comes from Hashem. Hashem will bless you with his inner sense of peace, inner sense of tranquility which no other Benini could even experience. But the moment you lower your guard and you say, okay, maybe I'm a tzaddik, I'm no longer tempted to do anything wrong. The lower your guard and you start indulging and you lower, you, Alter Rebbe says, I'll come back in a second. If God forbid you arouse it and draw it upon yourself, don't think for a moment it's, it's asleep, but it's a, it's a lion that's asleep. And the moment it wears off, it's going to come pouncing and roaring back. And on contrary, now that it's been asleep for so long, it's hungry, it's starving. It's starving. So you, you imagine the, the intensity, it's going to come back with such intensity. So the moment it gets to your head and you become super confident and you become arrogant and you become like, I'm, I'm okay, <laughs> then, then it's all over. <laughs> so as long as you, you, you're wary, on guard, Careful, and thank Hashem for this blessing. You'll experience tremendous inner peace, tremendous inner tranquility. You'll be living like in a godly bubble. Hashem is protecting you. As long as you continue to give tzedakah on such a level. This then is the meaning of quietness and charity forever. That the reward for the service of charity is eternal quietness and charity. So that's the meaning of the verse. If you go back to the verse, the verse states, the reward of tzedakah is peace, inner peace, the peace that you experience in prayer. At least during prayer, you experience inner peace, tranquility. But the service of tzedakah, which is way beyond the act of tzedakah, going beyond that instinct, that healthy, positive instinct of charitableness, of kindness, of generosity, but going beyond your nature, this will lead to peace and tranquility forever, meaning it will carry over beyond the prayer. Throughout your day and throughout your life, you will experience this inner peace. You will be free from the struggle of the Yitzhar. This will be a divine blessing. You'll get a taste of the future, a taste of Mashiach. You'll get it today. You want to get a taste of Mashiach today? You want peace in your life. And don't forget, by a Jew, there's no separation between the material and the spiritual. So if you experience such a level of spiritual peace in your life, (coughs) tranquility, it will translate also into physical peace. Health, financially, on every level. You'll feel peace in your life and blessing in your life. And you feel you'll be like living in a godly, protective bubble. Hashem is protecting you and watching you and you... All you'll have in your life is experience good things and healthy things and wholesome things and th- things filled with nachas or will give you nachas and joy and pleasure. So this is the best protection that money can buy. People pay insurance or looking for protection. This is the best protection. Preventive. You won't need. You won't need a doctor in the first place. You won't need the financial consultant in the first place. Hashem will bless you. Just learn the 12th chapter of the of holy letters and give tzedakah, avodas ha-tzedakah. This is the best recipe. The best recipe to get a taste of Mashiach in your life, which will be a blessed life. Mashiach will come, will be blessed materially and spiritually on every level, emotionally and psychologically and mentally and spiritually and practically. So this is an incredible uh, 
secret. This is the secret. Everyone likes to know the secret of life. Al-Tarebi is giving it away. Uh, Isaiah is telling us, he wants the secret of life. Just write, write, give, and give, and push yourself, and give. It's worth it. Because the rewards and the consequences are unimaginable. And you'll feel it. You'll experience it. It's not something you have to believe in. Other mitzvot, we learn the reward of the mitzvahs that you don't find in this world. The reward is there, but it's stored. It's like a savings account. It's stored and treasured. Like I said earlier, Mashiach will come, but not now. It's there. We have it in the bank, but you can't collect till you're <laughs> till you retire, till Mashiach comes. You can't collect in the uh, world to come. Mashiach will come. It's there. But tzedakah is different. Tzedakah, you'll, experience, you'll have an immediate effect. The rewards will be instant. Instant gratification. You help the poor person instantly and physically and materially. The rewards, the consequences will also be instantly. You'll experience it in your personal life spiritually during prayer. But when you give tzedakah on the level of avedas tzedakah, it will continue forever throughout your days. Even when you're not in prayer, even when you're not immersed in holiness. Because it's one thing when you're immersed in holiness. You're in the shul, you're, you're wrapped in your talus and tefillin and you're praying. But here he's saying forever, as you go about your daily life, in your career, most of your day is spent in the world. Yet you'll still have this protective bubble that will walk around with you all the time. And you'll experience that inner peace and tranquility throughout the day. You won't be tempted, you won't be affected by the world around you. What a blessing, what a divine, godly blessing. I'd like to ask you, you know, uh, how can somebody who, you know, is, is ill and, uh, you know, um, is about to lose her job and can't give this tzedakah the way you're talking about, how can they achieve that inner peace? Tzedakah takes many forms. Everyone can give tzedakah. Tzedakah doesn't have to be writing a check. Don't forget, for a poor person, you know, we have someone here at Chabad sends us every, day, every year anonymously. Send us a dollar. We can't even write them a thank you note. It's anonymous. But you know, just for them to write this, send a stamp, <laughs> maybe costs more than a dollar. But the idea, who knows, maybe this person is so poor. Their dollar could be the equivalent of someone else writing a million dollar check. To them, the million means nothing. Also, tzedakah takes many forms. Tzedakah is not just writing money. Tzedakah means helping another person in need. There's always someone. Financially, every Jew is obligated to give tzedakah, even the poorest person. Why? Because there's always someone who's less off than you. So no matter how much, whatever situation we find ourselves, there's always someone in the hospital who's even worse condition. And if you can help them and help them and be there for them, tzedakah takes many forms. It's inviting them to your table, it's calling them, saying hello, caring about them, giving them a smile, helping them across the block. Mm-hmm. If you take the time and going beyond your nature, you know, going everyone on their own mm-hmm. level, it's very personal, going beyond your limits. Everyone has their limits. Ah, this, this is what I'm in the mood for today. This is my quota for today. You know, go there. That extra smile, that extra encouraging word of encouragement, especially you can help someone who's in the same shoes as you, so you can empathize with them. You know exactly where, where they're at. Reminds me of a beautiful, we just read in Parshat Lech Lecha, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. Um, it was a great Hasidic master, Rabbi Nachum Chernobyl. He was the senior student of Rabbi Dov Ber, Alter Rebbe's colleague. Uh, Alter Rebbe was the youngest student, of Rabbi Dov Ber the Magid, and Rabbi Nachum Chernobyl was the senior student. He was by the Balshemtiv a few times also. He was a complete tzaddik of Tanya, the highest level of a tzaddik. And his mitzvah was redeeming those who were in prison. That was his mitzvah, Pidyan Shavuy. One of the greatest mitzvahs, but every Jew has one mitzvah that they excel in. This was his gateway to all the mitzvahs. He loved it, he helped people. In Eastern Europe, it was a constant challenge. Because there, you know, if you didn't pay your rent, in New York, if you don't pay your rent, the landlord goes to jail. But in Eastern Europe, if you don't pay your rent, uh, you and your family went to the dungeon. And some of them never came out. So he would go around collecting money, redeeming them. And once he ended up in jail. And it bothered him. It troubled him. How is it possible? The one mitzvah that he excelled in and he exceeded in, that's the one mitzvah that he should end up in jail. It didn't make any sense. How is it possible it didn't protect him? 
He was very troubled by it, and suddenly this very distinguished Jew appears in prison with him. And this Jew said, you know, let me ask you a question. It says in the Torah, God says to Avram, Lech Lecha, go to you. What does it mean, go to you? He should have said, Lech, go, from your land, from your community, from your household. What do you mean, Lech Lecha, go to you? So Rashi says, it means, this will be for your benefit. For your benefit and for your pleasure. Because you'll go to your land, that's when you're going to be blessed with a child, and that's when you're going to become a nation. It's going to be for your good. It's, even though you're 75 years old, <laughs> it's difficult for you to uproot yourself and to start all over again and become an immigrant. But Hashem says, trust me, this is for your good. Question, I, the question this old Jew asked Rabbi Nochem of Chernobyl, he says, Avram was God's lover, as it says in the Aftorah of Lech Lecha. Isaiah says, God says, Avram Ayavi. Avram served God without any ulterior motive. So what, God is bribing him? Avram, go, it's good for you. And that's a motivation for someone like Avram. So Hashem tells him to do something, he'll do it gladly and wholeheartedly. He doesn't need any, it's almost insulting. Why are you telling Avram, okay, here, I'm, uh, here's a lollipop, go and I'm gonna, it's going to be good for you. It's like childish. Why is Hashem telling so Rabbi Nachum says, okay, what's the answer? He says, I'll, I'll tell you the way I answered it. What was Avram's mitzvah? Avram's mitzvah, what did Avram excel in? What did he bring into the world, he introduced into the world? The true concept of Achnas Azar. Kindness, taking in people in the trap. See, the problem is, Avram couldn't really appreciate. Avram grew up wealthy. His father was one of the wealthiest, most powerful, mightiest ministers of Nimrod. Avram grew up in wealth. Avram couldn't, as sensitive and as kind as Avram was, he couldn't really relate and empathize. He couldn't put himself in the shoes of those who were traveling. Because he, he was always on the other side. He was always the giver. So Hashem says, become a traveler. Become an immigrant. Know the taste. Know what it feels like when you come and you're traveling and you're alone, you have no family, you have no friends, you don't know anyone, you don't speak the language, you're, you're lost. Because no matter how comfortable you are, you, you, you suddenly plop down in the middle of a new country, a new place, no one knows you, no one. You feel, suddenly you get the taste, you feel what it's like to be, to be a, a guest, to be a wanderer, to be a stranger. Now when you'll open your house and you'll open your tent to the... You'll have such a pleasure because now you can put yourself in, in their shoes. Now your generosity and kindness will be taken to a whole different level because you'll feel for them. And you go out of your way, you'll make it even extra special. They should feel comfortable and feel welcome and feel at home. This is what it means for your pleasure. It's not that for your pleasure uh, God is going to give you a reward. It's for your pleasure that you should be able to do the mitzvah in the best possible way. And as soon as he finished explaining it, he disappeared. And Nachum Chernobyl understood this was Avraham Avinu himself who came to answer his disquiet, to answer his question. And now he understood the answer. Why did he end up in jail? Precisely because that was his mitzvah that he excelled in. So Hashem wanted him, he should appreciate what it means to be in jail. Now when you're going to help those who are in jail, those who are in prison, you're going to redeem them. It's a whole different level because now you can empathize with them. It's a whole new enthusiasm. It's a whole, with a sharpness, with a keenly felt depth of feeling. Of, so it'll be a whole, the mitzvah will be taken to a whole different dimension. So a person who's, whatever situation they're at, they can help someone else who's in their shoes because they know what it's like. And they can share with them and give them a kind word, an encouraging word. Maybe help them navigate or whatever they need to do. So there's many forms of tzedakah. Tzedakah doesn't only have to be writing a check. It's thinking about another person, caring about another person, helping another person. Hashket, quietness, is related to the root of the verb in. The phrase, be rest shochet on his dregs, meaning that the dregs are completely separated from the wine and sink all the way down. So the wine is all a mixture of good wine. It also has pieces in it. But then when it settles, so all the sediment goes to the bottom. The dregs, the sediment goes to the bottom. And what you're left with is pure wine. And actually, the wine is much better. Wine that never had sediment is not as 
pure is not as, as good as wine that had the sediment and then the sediment separated from the wine and settled in the bottom. The wine that remains is much better. I guess we have to ask the wine connoisseurs. But that's, 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 what it, that's what he's saying here. That the wine that went through this process and had the sediment and the sediment separated and, and sank to the bottom and what's left on top is the pure, clear, strong wine. It's much tastier, it's much higher quality, much richer than the wine that was pure in the first place. While the wine above is wholly pure and clear, similarly, with the service of charity, the dregs represent the admixture of evil in one soul, which is gradually eradicated and separated until it falls netherwards to its root and source below all the worlds. As it is written, and you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So really, sin, evil, really has no place in God's world. Because the only reality is God and goodness and wholesomeness. So the whole world of evil is really has no room here. It's a make-believe world. It's, 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 it's a mirage. It's pure Hollywood. It's pure... It's a special effect. It's not reality. Reality is godliness. Reality is goodness. Reality is truth. Reality is kindness. It's a world that we sustain. We nourish. We create by, by giving in to evil. When Adam ate from the tree and he gave in to evil, he energized it and gave it life and brought it up. And then the whole world became mixed and confused. And so it feeds off us. It's like a bloodsucker. It feeds the life off of us. It has no life of its own. And the moment you clarify and you separate, it goes back to its origin. What's its root? Nothingness. It, doesn't, it has no reality. It's, it's, it goes where it belongs. It fades away. And all that remains is the clarity, the crystal clear clarity and the reality of godliness, of goodness, of wholesomeness. So that's why the verse, the verse uses the expression hashket, which literally means quiet. But it also comes from the root word of shaket, that the dregs, the sediment will go to the bottom, dregs of the wine will go to the bottom, settle to the bottom. Evil will separate and go where it belongs, fade away. Like eventually evil will fade away from history, will go the way of communism, will go the way of uh, fascism. It faded away. Hitler's year, thousand year Reich, the uh, communism, all this evil, Osloism, all this evil will fade away, go back to where it belongs. The dregs, the negativity, the lies, the illusions, will all fade away and lose its hold because it, it, there was never any substance to it. It was a lie from day one. And eventually it just faded away. And all that will remain is truth, kindness, goodness, emes. And when a person gives tzedakah, avodas tzedakah, the service of tzedakah, Hashem will reward us that we'll be able to experience this in our lifetime as we go about our daily lives, in exile, we can get a taste of the future, here and now. This is a free ticket, a preview. You want to have a preview of a type of life, a Mashiach type of life? He's saying here, you can get that preview today. All it takes is giving tzedakah way beyond your nature. Yes, it's going to have to exhaust you you have to exert yourself, go against your nature, even the limits of your good nature, kind nature, only because for the sake of Hashem, and Hashem will respond in kind. It's something very personal. And if you put yourself out and you make that decision, Hashem will also, so to speak, put Himself out, reveal an intense level of Himself into your soul, and you'll experience this tremendous sense of peace which will also lead to physical blessing and physical peace. So this is a recipe. We know the recipe for disaster, but here he's giving us a recipe for blessings that are beyond imagination, beyond unimaginable. 
type of life, to lead a peaceful, harmonious life, even though we're not the tzaddik, we're not even constituted to be a tzaddik. And nevertheless, we can taste something of that life. We can live that type of life. How? Only through tzedakah. So, ironically, our generation, which is the lowest, the midrits, spiritual midrits of all the generations, but because we excel in tzedakah, we may accomplish we can accomplish a level of tranquility and peace that our ancestors, who prayed all day, could not have accomplished. By giving tzedakah on such a level, such a, such a level, and giving way beyond the call of duty, way beyond our nature, natural instinct, we can draw down such an intense level of godliness, here and now, today, personally, in our own personal lives, that we'll f- instantly experience this tremendous peace and harmony in our lives. So now the ball is now a court. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.